So when I drove up this morning, I uh, came up Cave Creek Road, and I noticed that someone had put a sign up about a special event, and I thought, then I noticed it was 11 o'clock till something, so that must be the Steelers game. Uh, I do know that in, in public speaking, it's common to start with some type of a joke to kind of get you guys connected a little bit. Uh, so, And I've heard a lot of pe- preachers tell a joke at the beginning of their sermon, so I'm going to give you a little joke here. A preacher, a programmer, and a consultant walk into a bar. And actually, we've been coming every Sunday since and holding church services. That's kind of what we do. Um, okay, so it's not really a joke. So the, fa- the past few weeks, we've been studying the book of Mark, and Steve has walked us through the story after story about who Jesus was, what he did, and who he is today. You could almost title Steve's series, Who is Jesus? And today I want us to examine a bit about who we are, and I'll start about telling you who I am. So let me tell you a story. So where did I come from? Can anybody tell by my uh, accent? I was born in North Carolina, where you say words like lawyer instead of however you guys say it. I don't know how you guys say it. I went to a Presbyterian church from day one, and I was baptized as an infant. And to give you an idea of how um, regular my family was with church, the preacher who baptized me as an infant also performed my wedding ceremony 22 and a half years later when I got married to that lovely woman back there. Jerry McCann was the pastor who preached the Gospels every Sunday. So I've heard Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over and over and over. Matter of fact, it was kind of odd to me when we started going to other churches that you would hear pastors preach about something other than a parable out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I remember people tell, asking uh, Pastor McCann or Jerry uh, why, and he said, well, if people come to church and they hear a story out of the Gospels, that's pretty good. And I would have to agree it's pretty good. He simplified it such that it was easy to grasp who Jesus was and what he meant to the world. My dad was a deacon, an elder, a treasurer, uh, a sanctuary building committee supervisor as they built the, the steeple thing. Uh, and then when my parents retired and moved to the coast, they attended another Presbyterian church, and he was a deacon, an elder, a treasurer. And so serving in the church just seems kind of normal to me. That's what my dad always did, was serve in the church. Uh, you know, every May, we had a, a church family camp, which is actually something I want us to think about doing at some point is... Now, you guys see me pretty early in the morning, but if you see me at like at 7 in the morning, you'll say it's a really bad idea to have a church family camp. Um, But we had a a camp at a place called Camp New Hope, and it was where you got to see people outside of their Sunday clothes. you got to remember, I grew up in the South, so we didn't wear cowboy hats and build campfires at church like we do here. So we all had our Sunday clothes. Remember, as a kid, you had to put on the slacks that you hated wearing going to church. But you got to see people outside of, uh, of church. So you got to know people a little bit better. Uh, and we played this. Uh, we, we hiked in the woods. Uh, we'd have these big meals together. Uh, I fished in a pond. I was really terrible at fishing. I don't know if you guys are fishermen. I'm really terrible at fishing. Uh, and we played this game called washers. Anybody ever heard of a game called washers? Okay, you guys know horseshoes. And you know how horseshoes is relatively limiting for people without arms, like strong, strong arms, you know, throwing a horseshoe. Or washers, Jerry was from, Jeremy Cam was from Texas, and they had this game called washers where they would take these big washers that are this big with a hole in the middle of it. And he would take, we would take Campbell's soup cans, and we would put those cans, 
21 feet apart. I mean, there were rules for this, okay? And you would, and they were buried in the ground, so it was level. And you take these washers and you toss them, and in the can was five points. And if you could see in the can through the hole in the washer, it was three points. And then closest was one point. So it was like horseshoes, right? And we played washers, so we'd have these washers tournaments. So maybe we should dig some holes in the ground here some Sunday. Um, I also remember Sunday night hymn sings. Um, anybody ever go to a hymn sing before? Anybody done that? One hand, a couple of hands. Um, this is where we'd sit in the fellowship hall, and this lady named Marcy McNeil, who was this absolutely fantastic pianist, would sit at this old upright piano in the corner, and she would play whatever hymn you could pick out of the agreed-upon hymn book. Remember church that had the hymn book that you just had? And so I would sing. I love to tell the story like we just did. That's where I learned that song was in hymn sing. Or when we all get to heaven. There's all those songs. Uh, and it's actually it's actually kind of funny at times for me because on Wednesday night, Paul will attest to this. Uh, we meet at Steve's house and, and pra- we actually practice the stuff that we're going to do on Sunday morning. We meet at Steve's house and we rehearse. And Steve will pull out an old hymn and he'll say, have you ever heard this? And I'm like, yeah, I know the words of that. Because I sang all those 50 years ago, 40 years ago as a kid. So it's safe to say that going to church every Sunday was a foundational thread in my fabric. Uh, I went to vacation Bible school when I was young. I participated in youth groups throughout junior and senior high school. Going to church was what we did. Now, when I was 14, my brother and his friend, my brother is nine years older than me, so he would be 23 at the time, revived a Boy Scout troop. And since I liked the idea of being out in the woods and hiking and camping, I joined Boy Scouts and I think I probably still have some of that hiking and camping gear in my garage unless my wife has thrown it away without telling me about it. Um, so how would you characterize me as a 14-year-old? Believe it or not, I was a skinny, geeky kid, always a teacher's pet, never enough muscle to play a sport. And, I'll, and Steve, is gonna, when he hears this, he's going to feel sad for me. I, I tried to pitch and be a baseball pitcher in ninth grade, and I didn't realize that when you go out to play sports in ninth grade, all the guys you compete with have been playing sports for 10 years already. And I was terrible. I was just skinny, wiry kid, and I think I only went out to play baseball because the, my, the teacher I was, the teacher pet was, was a baseball coach. And I was like, oh, I can throw a ball. I couldn't throw a ball. Uh, I was also the guy who, the son, who convinced my mom to buy a calculator when they came out. I don't know, did some of you some of you are old enough to remember that there were no calculators that you had in your home, right? You you would do you would you do your, your checkbook at the end of the month. You would write all this stuff out with a pencil or a pen if you were really good at it. Uh, so I always had an eye for technology. And and I was also kind of fascinated with nature. So so I as a scout, I'd be the guy who would actually take my sleeping bag out in my backyard in Greensboro, North Carolina before it was um light polluted. So it's sort of like Cave Creek today, right? You can go out at night and you can lay down and you can look up and you can watch Orion and his belt go through the sky. And I would learn all those constellations in the winter sky. Uh, and I still know most of those. So it's really kind of cool, especially if, if you go up north and it's like you can see every star. Um, it's hard not to miss the glory of God's creation. When I was 15, I attended a church summer camp. Uh, it was a, a different place where we had summer camps every now and then. It was on a big lake between North Carolina and Virginia. And I'd learned how to sail a boat. Um, but it was kind of like my first week away from home. And I'll, I'll be honest, at 15, the first week away from home, I was a little homesick. Uh, I was the youngest of three boys, so and my mom always took care of me very well. But when I turned 16, I heard that Boy Scout camp needed counselors. Uh, and I didn't really have anything better to do 
1977, when I was 16, I worked for 10 weeks. Don't get any ideas, Larry. I worked for 10 weeks making $20 a week. <laughs> and I would teach kids, 12-year-olds mostly, how to build fires and how to cook over them. Uh, how to tie knots and ropes or how to untie knots and ropes in some cases. And we would build rope bridges across the field. And we even built a Ferris wheel. Have you ever seen a rope Ferris wheel? Um, it's just a two-seater, which means the other guy needs to be about your size. Otherwise, it's no fun. <laughs> you just, right? Uh, but that was an, another, and I'm telling you all these stories because I, I, I want you to know where I came from and why I'm here today. So this is a, a foundational moment for me is when I worked at Boy Scout camp, uh, one of the things you have to do as a camp, have you, have you guys ever been a camp counselor? Nobody? Anybody? Cheryl's been camp counselor? It transformed me from being the, the geeky kid who wanted to play Legos and watch Gil Gonzalez reruns into a guy who would stand up in front of a bunch of people and sing songs. Unbeknownst to me, that's what did it right there. And so I would do, I don't know if I can do this. I'm, I'm going to try this. Got to see my cowboy hair there for a moment. Hope that didn't shock anybody. Anybody ever seen Junior Birdman as a kid? Is that camp? I never heard of these songs until I went to Boy Scout camp. And what made it remarkable for me was I had to learn these songs and teach them to kids who didn't want to be there half the time. Uh, I mean, they had fun. Don't let me get me wrong. In front of a campfire, sometimes throwing rocks. So not too much different from what I'm doing today, right? <laughs> Except hopefully you guys aren't throwing rocks. But you get the idea. I mean, it was like a preparation. So when I was 16, 17, 18, 19, I was, I was working out my act. You guys see me on Sunday mornings, right, next to Steve. Lori says I'm the sidekick. Well, I learned how to be in front of 212-year-olds who just wanted to go back to camp and play or whatever, and we would do skits, and we would sing goofy camp songs. Uh, it was all preparation for me that I, did, I had no idea. Um, matter of fact, we, so we would sing songs. We never sang songs after the breakfast meal, but we would always sing songs after the lunch meal and the evening meal in the cafeteria. So whenever we had spaghetti, I would get up in front of everybody with a noodle, and I would sing, Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go eat worms. Remember that? We would sing to our spaghetti noodle. I spent six summers in camps, and all of one of those was in a Boy Scout camp. You know, in college, I found Tammy and convinced her that I was a nice enough guy, and she decided she'd marry me 31, a little over 31 years ago. Uh, we started going to her church in nearby High Point, and the church in High Point was interesting because, you know, I grew up in this, this Presbyterian church where there's a lot of order. In fact, I was talking to Richard a little bit earlier when he was helping set up about the amount of order in a Presbyterian, growing up in a Presbyterian church. Where Tammy went to a Southern Baptist church, uh, and but when I met her, that she wasn't, she was no longer in a Southern Baptist church because in the late '70s and early '80s, the Southern Baptists kicked out these four preachers because they all believed in the gifts of the Spirit. So there were articles in magazines, and so we met. <laughs> And again, now that I think about it, it's kind of like a precursor today. We met in the YMCA in downtown High Point. And the reason we met there was because the city, I think, leased it to us for a dollar a year. 
uh, and we would set chairs up on the wooden floor. But it was great because we could do things in the community that a lot of the other churches couldn't do. Like we had a basement that we would do a, hom- a homeless shelter. And I remember before we had our first kid, actually, I think even when Tammy was pregnant, we would go on, was it Thursday nights? And we would go to the homeless shelter, sometimes picking up homeless guys on the way to the shelter in my car um, in the wintertime. And we would sit up all night, and there would be 40 or 50 guys in this homeless shelter. And, and that, that was what church was. We were serving the community. One thing about these four pastors that were all kicked out is they all were firm believers in Christ. Uh, and there was one guy there named um, Jim Davidson who was a music pastor who worked as a music pastor for years and years and years. Fantastic organist. He had a degree in organ or something. I didn't know you could do that. Evidently, you can get a degree in organ. And, and he was a great musician. Uh, and one of the things that he did in the, this, this had to be 86 or 87, was he wanted to sing, instead of singing the traditional hymns, we sang scripture songs. Remember scripture songs where you would sing like a verse? And it, it seemed like you sang the same verse like over and over and over and over and over sort of like early days of worship music in the 80s. And he wanted to put a couple of singers up front and then a choir behind and some musicians. And, and on, in all honesty, it's you go to any big church in Phoenix today, that's pretty much what you see. And we were doing that in the 80s. It was a great introduction to me of leading corporate worship. Uh, and again, here I am. Um, so I did that for a few years. We moved. We went to a different church, an evangelical friends meeting. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I, I got tired of the worship leader there, and they, they didn't have anybody that really wanted to do it. And so I got up and said, hey, I can sing some of these songs. And so I worship led there for a year or something. And then we moved to New Mexico. And, and then we moved to New, New York, and we went to a, um, a friends church, Free Methodist Church, sorry, Free Methodist Church, where... Uh, where I learned an awful lot of this Free Methodist Church, I learned a couple of things. One is that if I was in charge every Sunday, I would get burned out. And so before I started doing anything there, we rotated. So we had, I think there were three of us that were worship leaders, and there were some Sundays when I was up front singing, and there were some Sundays when I worked a soundboard, and there were some Sundays when I was just sitting out here. And so one thing I'm, I'm encouraging us to do is if you're not involved, get involved. You don't have to do it every Sunday. You know, I, I can't. I'll, a little bit later, I'll talk about guys like Richard and uh, Greg and Brian and people who, and Paul. I don't. I don't know if you guys realize that every Sunday morning, Paul gets up and drives his truck over to Steve's house and unloads all this stuff up in the back of it, and he comes over here and unloads it all. And we usually just watch him unload it. He, yeah, he's, he's been mean to bring that up. So, a, a, a opportunity for service. The other thing I learned in, uh, and this is going to be a little controversial, and so I, Steve's going to beam me from Honduras, is that um, when we were at this Free Methodist Church, there was a lady named Linda Adams who was a senior pastor, and she undoubtedly is a gifted pastor, preacher. And it kind of shattered all my southern beliefs of what men and what women should do in the church. And when I talk about some of the people I learned about in the Bible, I'm gonna bring, I'll, I'll bring that back a little bit, and I, I'm not saying we should toss in Steve. I'm not saying Steve's getting a sex change. And I'm not saying we should toss Steve for a woman pastor. All I'm saying is it's the gift that God gives you and how do you use it? And Linda was a gifted, gifted preacher. Um, and, and, and those three years were some of the, the best years of my life. Okay. So we move. I'm trying to hold it together here. I was telling, uh, <laughs> so, uh, you. I was telling you this morning. 
I read this to my wife yesterday, and I couldn't get through it without just blubbering the whole time because it was so emotional for me. And so you guys are probably going to probably came in here thinking Kevin's this great, big, confident guy, and then you're going to walk out saying he's just a blubbering idiot. So I'll try to hold it together. So really, I'll try to hold it together. So after three years, we moved to Cave Creek, which is where we live today, just on the other side of Black Mountain. And believe it or not, uh, Tammy and I found Steve and Donna at a little startup church in an elementary school off of Desert Willow. I don't know if you guys know that, but Steve and Donna started a little church there. And 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 uh, there's another another one of those things that most of you probably don't know. I had just started playing the guitar after I got here. I've only played the guitar for like 10 or 12 years. So I'd, we'd moved here 14 years ago. I just picked up a guitar. I wanted to play worship songs because I didn't have a worship band anymore, right? And so I learned how to and maybe that's why I played Shout to the North this morning without even thinking about it. It was one of the first songs I'll ever, ever learned how to play on a guitar. Three chords, GCD. Uh, so we helped. I, I kind of helped a little bit, but I wasn't very good on the guitar. And startup churches, as you know, go through these cycles. And so over the course of years, I've helped. Matter of fact, Tammy and I sometimes joke about sometimes me helping a startup church means putting them out of business. Um, but startup churches get six or eight or 10 or 12 or 20. Matter of fact, there's one church on Lone Mountain that we went to for two years, and there were six of us, I think, for two years uh, until finally I was like, I'm tired of carrying my guitar and my amp, even though it's just up the street. Six years, uh, two years, six people. But you never know who's listening when you do a service, and sometimes, and I'm going to go off notes here for just a second. Um, one thing I love doing this is you don't know who's in the parking lot or who's working in the kitchen. Uh, who gets a message or a worship song. And I even heard, um, it might have been Carol told me a couple of weeks ago that, which was frightening to me, and that is that during the week she hears these songs, which is great, but she hears them in my voice. <laughs> it's like she hears me playing worship songs during the week. So you, you never know wh- how you're serving and how it impacts people around you, uh, even if they're not sitting at one of these tables. And then about two and a half years ago, I guess it's almost three years ago, we came to Buffalo Chip one Sunday morning because we heard Steve and Donna were doing a church up here. And we sat inside the saloon, and I think that was the only service maybe that I've attended where I haven't participated in some way. You know, Steve and I think Paul actually played his uke that day. I don't know if, I don't know if you remember playing a uke that some, Paul would play his uke some. Um, and so here I am. So that's kind of my story to this point. I'm sure it's far from over. So who am I, really? Uh, and so I've spent the last year reading the Bible, and I'll be honest with you, this is the first time that I've done that. Uh, I, I, how many of you have a—I'm going to put you on the spot. How many of you said, I'm going to read the Bible cover to cover and then failed miserably? I mean, I've failed miserably many times doing it. And last, last year I actually did it. Um, so you're not alone if you've attempted and haven't done it. And, you know, and I, I, honestly, I've done a lot of reading of different passages. I've attended Bible studies where we would, it seemed painful to me, where we'd sit down and we'd go through three or four verses for an hour and talk about what did it mean. I know there's value in that. Um, but I, And I know about most of the famous people. I know about Abraham and Adam and Eve and Noah and Solomon and Joseph and Peter and Paul and Mary and Ruth and, of course, Jesus. But Let's just face it, I'm no Bible scholar. If you want Bible scholarliness, you should talk to Steve because he really is a Bible scholar. But I'm a pretty smart guy, and when it comes to the Bible and God, I understand it about as well 
as a barnacle understands the operation of a nuclear submarine, I'll let you grasp that. I always like talking to people who talk about, is it evolution or creation? And I think, how, why are you trying to put God in your ability to think? Like, how are we to understand what God can and can't do? I always think of the barnacle on a nuclear submarine, right? So I'm, I'm just going to attach to this power that's going to help me through life and provide life for me. I don't need to understand. I'm not going to be able to understand. It's beyond me to be able to understand. It's really that simple for me. Um, staying connected to the uh, uh, power that is far bigger and far more complicated than I can comprehend. Um, and I think when we gr- as we grow up, at least I did, you know, you go to vacation Bible school and you always think about being one of the greats in the Bible, right? Or at least thinking our Christian lives should be like one of those people. I mean, don't you sit there and say, I should be like Daniel in the lion's den and have all this faith. Or, you know, I think every kid has thought about being David in the David and Goliath thing, right? I mean, I'm I'm sure that sold a lot of slingshots uh, to a lot of 12-year-olds who hear that story and think, "I, I can do that. Or even other stories like Peter who drew his sword and cut off the ear of the centurion in the garden. Remember that? Uh, or maybe Paul. Maybe I should be Paul and I'll, be, uh, I'll spread the gospel to the entire world and I'll change the world forever. And they're all heroes, right? I mean, that's what you think. I'm going to be a hero of the Bible. Uh, but you see, we've kind of grown up in this culture that glorifies your heroes uh, and as a kid, did you ever play Batman and Robin or Long Ranger and Tonto if you were out here in the West? Well, you probably didn't, and I can tell you why. It's because nobody ever wanted to be Robin or Tonto, right? You'd say, I want to be Batman and Robin, and then you'd have an argument about who was going to be Robin. No, I want to be second. We always think about being the hero, um, and, and I'm going to tell you about some of these people in the Bible and, and how much of a hero they were. So did you ever think of who you'd be in maybe the Old Testament? Like, I think I probably would have been a, a Levite. You know who the Levites were? Uh, so the Levites were one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Levi was the third son of Jacob and Leah. And basically his tribe was charged with the religious duties. So some of them were priests, but I have to think most of them were guards, musicians guarding the temple, musicians playing music, you know, people who brought in the chairs, set up the speakers around the soundboard. That's pretty much what the Levites did. They were the setup crew. And actually, and I didn't realize this until I read the Bible last year, John the Baptist was a Levite, um, which I thought was kind of cool, foretold Jesus coming. And honestly, I really like being part of the setup crew. I like, I like thinking of myself as a Levite. So who would you be? A lot of people mentioned in the Bible. It's really the greatest story. We sang, I love to tell a story. So let me walk you through a couple of these people. So how about Cain and Abel, first sons of Adam and Eve? Cain was a gardener. And Abel was the second born, and he was a rancher. So we all think about, I'm going to be the rancher, right, in the West. But if you remember from that story, uh, Abel gave an offering of meat that God blessed, and Cain gave an offering of vegetables that God didn't bless, and then Cain got jealous and killed his brother. So would you let anger and jealousy take you over and be a Bible character like Cain? Or what about Caleb? who was one of the 12 spies of Moses. I don't know if you guys know this story or not. There's fascinating stories in the Bible. So Caleb rallied the people before Moses to take Negev, which is like southern Israel, 
So what he did when he was 40 is he was one of the spies that went out, and he came back and he said, we can take that land. This is another thing you'll learn. If you read the whole Bible with me next year, you'll learn that there's a whole lot of war in the, in the Bible. There's a whole lot of conquering going on. And Caleb came back and said, we can take that land. And essentially what happened was he knew that it was his job to take that land when he was 40 years old. And he had the opportunity to do that when he was 85. So he waited 45 years for the time to be right, for God to say, now is the time for you to do it. Could you wait 45 years to do what God intended for your life? I mean, some of you may think you're old now. Could you, could you win a war at 85? Are you done? Are you done in the church? I don't think you are. God has a plan for you. How about David, king of Israel? We think of David as a great, but remember, I think it was last year, Steve told us about how uh, David really wanted this woman named Bathsheba. Remember that? And so he sent Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, to the front of the lines. Remember that? You remember that? Uh, and so that he would get killed so that David could take this woman. Um, so maybe David is not a great role model for us. But God worked through David. And one of David's sons with Bathsheba was Solomon, the second child of David. Solomon's like a great guy, right? We well, had 700 wives. I can't imagine. I'll let that sink in for a minute. Can you imagine 700 wives? Uh, and I think he had 300 concubines, which I think today's term would be affairs <laughs> or mistresses. Uh, matter of fact, he, he had was involved in so many of these women from other countries that he let all these other things come in, religious things like idols and stuff, so that God basically took the kingdom away and split it. And it was the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. Uh, what about Job? <clears throat> you guys read the story of Job? He's, a, he's kind of an interesting guy. A lot of people know, that, know this story. Um, here's a guy who was tested, but he really hadn't sinned. And the thing that I think is interesting about the story of Job is that all of his friends said, you must have done something. I know you did something because God wouldn't punish you. And Job kept saying, no, I believe in God. I'm doing what God told me to do. Job had patience. Matter of fact, what's the saying? Patience of Job? Do you have the patience of Job? Straight from that story. Or how about Simon Peter? <clears throat> you know, and to be honest with you, I, I say I'm a smart guy, even though I'm not that smart. I, I didn't really think about Simon Peter um, where Simon Peter was the first pope. So I've not really been around Catholic. Somebody used to, so Simon Peter was Peter, like St. Peter, like St. Peter Square. That just all came together for me when I read the Bible and started doing a little research. Um, but think about Simon Peter for a minute. Uh, you know, he said, he was in the boat and he said, let me walk on water with you. And he jumped out of the boat and was walking on water, but then lost faith. Um, but later when Jesus says, who do you say that I am? He's the one that says, you are the Messiah, son of the living God. Matter of fact, at the Last Supper, Jesus was going around washing everybody's feet, and Peter said, I want you to wash my head and my hands as well. But it's not long after that that they're in the garden, and Peter says, you can't take him, and lops off the ear of the centurion. Remember that? Same guy. And then not long after that, he's sitting by the fire and says, I have no idea who you're talking about. 
I don't know this man. Does it three times he denies Christ. But he ends up being the first pope. And so here's a guy who has his act together, doesn't have his act together, has his act together, denies Christ, sits at the fire and says, I don't know who this guy is. I wasn't with him. And in the end, when he was sentenced to crucifixion, he said, it's not fit for me to be crucified the way Christ was, so crucify me upside down. I don't know if you guys knew that. So what about Saul? A lot of, we, we read letters in the Bible that Saul wrote, but we know him as Paul, right? Uh, so the thing I like about, well, I don't really like about it, but the thing that's interesting about Saul is he's a guy who was persecuting Christians left and right. Uh, and then God turned on the light at, on the road to Damascus, right? And he had this great come-to-Jesus meeting and basically said, I believe in Christ. I'm going to further the church. And Paul is probably the best missionary, the most famous whatever, right? We, we're here today largely because of what Paul did in his teaching and his travel. And I think just a couple of weeks ago, Steve told us about a woman who touched Jesus' garment as he's moving through the crowd. You know, could you be that woman? Could you have enough faith to say, I really need healing. I'm just, if I can just touch his garment and, and expose to the world that I am with this affliction, but Christ is going to heal me. Um, and I talked a little bit earlier about women in, in the church. How about Mary Magdalene? A lot of people know the name. Maybe you know about her. A lot of, some people say she was like a disciple. She's referred to in the, a lot of the same scriptures, like she was with the disciples. I'm not saying she was a disciple. The disciple were 12 Jewish men, but, uh, she was the one who was at the crucifixion to the very end. She saw Jesus laid in the tomb and she was the first to see him risen out of the tomb. I mean, think about it. This is a woman in a Jewish man's world and she may be in the most important role in the whole story because she was the eyewitness to it all. And then, then there's Andrew, who is Simon Peter's brother. So when Jesus heard about the death of John the Baptist, uh, he went away, but a crowd followed him. And that's when we had this, uh, you know, crowds followed Jesus, as, as we've been reading through Mark. Um, and the disciples came up to Jesus and said, send these people away. They need to eat. <clears throat> and Jesus said, well, you guys should feed the crowd. And Andrew was the one who said, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But get this. But what are they for so many? So here's a disciple that says, we got a little bit of food, but there's no way this is going to work. So to be honest with you, that's probably who I'd be. I'd be the guy that say, there's no way we're feeding all these people with a basket of fish. I'm very pragmatic, but I probably am missing out on what God can do. So here's my point. God uses all of us. He uses all of us when we let God use us. God can do great things with you and through you. You know, it's what he does. We are his hands and his feet. God uses us often in a way that we didn't ask, expect, or even agree with. So did Saul wake up one day and say, I'm going to spread the word of Jesus Christ throughout all of history? Of course he didn't. You know, he was out persecuting Christians. Do you think Peter said, I'm going to be the first pope? Of course not. He sat in the garden and denied Christ three times. Jesus was, in today's terms, was throwing Jesus, uh, Peter was, in today's terms, throwing Jesus under the bus. He was saying, I don't know what you're talking about. But he ends up being 
the first pope, Catholicism, the Western world. Let's face it. The people in the Bible had faults, shortcomings, and resisted God all along the way, and we are no different. You know, I look back and I think, maybe I'm just stringing all this together, but there had to be a reason I was singing Junior Birdman to 12-year-olds. Maybe I'm supposed to be here right now. There had to be a reason, Paul will attest to this, that I can work through smoke while standing up here because I practiced that 40 years ago. So your life has a lot of series of events that you may think are not connected, but I guarantee you God has connected them for a reason somehow, some way. And I'm going to challenge you to think about that. You know, we probably all, you're probably thinking about 10 things right now that you could do to serve God, but you're sitting there thinking, I'm not good enough. I'm not organized enough. Somebody else is doing that. I'm too busy. I mean, how many times have I taken the other side of the road and not been the good Samaritan? I mean, I know I've done it plenty of times. So I'm going to challenge you to let God use you in ways that you think could never mean anything. You know, we are here today. I'm going to tell you just one little aside. I'm going to go off script again. Every time I think about coming up here and doing church, it, it reminds me of things like, I think it was three weeks ago or four weeks ago, we had a church service, a bunch of people sitting out here. And at the end of the service, a gentleman came up and said, I really appreciated what you guys had to say. Um, and I don't know that I didn't get the gentleman's name, but you know why he was up here? Is he was running electrical conduit over here. So we were preaching to him while he was working. Now, we didn't come up here and say, well, we're going to crank up our speakers so all the people walking through the parking lot to Heralds can hear church. But you'd be amazed at what your actions and your words will do to spread God's word in the people that you connect with one way or the other. So we are, I just want to emphasize, we are here today and we are gone tomorrow. So the question really isn't, who am I? The question is, uh, it's not about what I've done that really matters. It's what God has done or is going to do or is doing through me. So what is God doing through you? And what will you let him do? Let's pray. Father God, we glorify you. We glorify uh, the things that you've done for us, even though we don't understand them, Lord. We really are simple people, but we are your creation. And we know that you have put people, places, things in our path and that we can share your gospel and we can change lives both in this community. Um, you know, we thank you, Lord, for, for things like the buffalo chip, for um, our ability to minister to people at a saloon who may never, ever go to church again but they may hear something from us. I thank you, Lord, for giving us an opportunity to be in this community, uh, being neighbors to people. And, Lord, I just pray that you would put on our hearts the willingness, the desire, and the energy to work through your word next year, that we can read the Bible together, that we will understand you more and more. Lord, we know that it's, it's really not what we've done or what we do, but it's what you've done 
and given us your son on the cross. And it's what you do through us that really matters. So I pray, Lord, that you open our hearts and open our minds to the possibilities that are around us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you.